The healthcare sector has become a growing target for hacker attacks in recent months. So, what measures are some healthcare entities taking to stay out of the bullseye? I'm Marianne Kolbasak McGee, executive editor at Information Security Media Group. Today, I'm speaking with Connie Barrera, director of Information Assurance and CISO of Jackson Health System in Miami. Connie will be speaking to us about some of the steps her organization has been taking to defend itself against becoming the next hacker victim, and also how she's dealing with other emerging threats facing the healthcare sector. So now, Connie, what do you make of all the recent hacker attacks we've been seeing lately in the healthcare sector? What surprises you the most? I think for that, we need to just take a quick moment and take a look at last fall, 2014. The FBI issued a private sector notification to healthcare, letting us know that we were very much a target for hackers and attack. And even in 2014, we had pretty much a volume of, of different types of breaches and hacks, not only throughout all sectors, but healthcare in particular. There was one for community health, which affected 4.5 million patients, as well as the Montana Department of Health Registry, two brief examples. And so when we look at that, and, and we started this year, 2015, and, you know, all of us have heard in the news or on television the hack on Anthem, Primera Blue, UCLA Health Systems, and, and we think about why is this happening to healthcare. I think, number one, it's, it's a few key reasons. One is the value of the healthcare industry. It's been reported that our industry is a $3 trillion industry. But much more than that, when you look at banking with the financial industry or, or even retail, you know, their data sets are minuscule by comparison. When you look at the data that healthcare possesses, it's huge. And its value is possibly noted to be 10 to 20 times that of a credit card, of the value of a credit card information on the street because of the completeness of our record. We not only have full names, we have social security numbers, many times we have birth certificates. And so the value of our industry, the completeness of, of the data from a medical record perspective, where it's not only the vital, the medical record, but also the, the private information for, for the individual. And then you look at what does IT look like in healthcare. So, you know, not to suggest that there probably are, are several healthcare organizations with pretty new equipment and, and infrastructures, but the reality is when we look at, for example, the applications that we use throughout operations, many of those, one would say, um, can be considered legacy. There's a whole slew of legacy systems throughout healthcare. Many of them, for example, along my peer institutions down here in South Florida are facing the same issues, which means that these legacy applications are tying us down to operating systems such as Windows XP. You would think we'd be beyond that, especially since XP has been end of life for over a year, but the reality is that many hospitals are still tied to these archaic legacy systems. Top that with the fact that IT, its security in particular, is viewed largely as, as a big cost center. And, you know, we don't produce a product. We don't generate revenue. We're just expensive. And so many times cybersecurity or just security initiatives all on their own have not been traditionally well-funded. 
the last point I want to make at the search would be so interested in us is kind of an interesting angle that, that I was reading about recently, which is very much our reality today, which is for espionage. So it's been documented that Chinese hackers' health information, such as prescription drug information and other medical information, on possible spy targets because then they know weaknesses. So they're really analyzing the human factor much more than, you know, your everyday common identity theft, but even for on a grander scale for espionage purposes. So I think that if anyone in security is still wondering, they need to realize that it's very much a threat knocking at all of our doors. We're just attractive. And the last point I want to make on this is actually all of these things coupled the, the high value of our industry, the completeness of our records, the aging systems, legacy systems, is also that financial and other sectors like credit card industry. Many times you'll get a call on the phone or a letter in the mail saying, verify these transactions because those sectors have gotten so good at polishing and refining their processes to identify fraud. In healthcare, it's very different. When there's a breach or there's data being exfiltrated, meaning being stolen and taken from the organization from an Internet perspective, many times those issues go undetected for weeks and even months. And so we really need to up our game and, and really improve on so many different factors, including incident response and pushing our vendors to compete with the latest technology so that we can get off those legacy systems. With that said, in light of all these hacker attacks that we are seeing, what steps is Jackson Health taking to guard against becoming the next victim? To me, for example, we've in the past 10 years, we've come leaps and bounds on the technology perspective. And the past couple of organizations that that I've had the fortune to work at and other peer institutions for folks that I actively engage with, this is a similar issue and trend across the board, which is that with our option of better and quicker technologies, for example, such as virtualization, to touch upon that one point, in the virtual environment, everything is much easier. In the traditional days where you had one server that you had to order it, however one procured, you waited for it to come in, bring it into the data center, racket, power, cooling, network, All of that generally has been erased with virtualization. We have the equipment. We can have servers up and running in seconds, literally, hundreds of them spinning up in minutes. And so when you look at an environment that perhaps is lacking in policy, procedure, and controls, what you work in a virtual environment, to me, you are exponentially augmenting those issues, you know, many times over. And so one of the strategies that we've embarked on, which I firmly believe in, is that certainly we want to be on the on the cutting edge, but we need to make sure we have a solid foundation. And typically when you're a techie, and I've always been a techie at heart and managed systems despite my CISO role, you need to have good policies in place. They need to be communicated. You need to have good processes in place that anyone on the team can pick up and really without any questions or very few questions, execute and execute the same. You need to have quality assurance within that. And so the human element to me 
is really critical. And so having a solid foundation is one of the most important ingredients of this recipe for success in IT because you could have literally the best solution, the more expensive solution, and without having the right combination of people, process, and technology, we're really missing the target. I would say before I talk about technology, and I'm going to talk about some specific types of technologies in a second, I did also want to add that the training of your staff is critical. And I realize that many times we cannot have either computer-based training or traditional types of training. But I find in dealing the entire organization, not just a particular niche, since we're security, many times the gaps that someone has in their particular knowledge in the area that they serve really compounds a security problem. Because many times we may train a, a person into, this is your role, okay, you are responsible for task A. And to complete task A, you do steps one, two, and three, one, two, and three. But what happens when it doesn't work out that way, when there's an issue? It could be a hacker, it could just be a system downtime. But the individual is not empowered or knowledgeable enough to even make an educated guess. And so I think it's critical that IT be appropriately trained and mentored, many times having other employees shadow each other and really understanding the background. If, you know, I'm setting up a server, I need to know exactly what processes run. If you don't know what's normal, how do you know when something is off? And so having that understanding, that documentation, the data flow many times is missing, and, and that's critical. From a technology perspective, let me jump to that. I think it's really important that a lot of the technologies that we've been using for years for security are still very much applicable. And actually, we can't do without them at this point. There are not other alternatives that work. But what I would say, for example, we must have, obviously, firewalls. We must have intrusion detection systems and intrusion prevention systems. We're getting better with virtualization and virtual desktops to perhaps not be so dependent on antivirus and anti-malware, but you certainly need these technologies. Now, I recently came upon a technology that we just started using, which is called Vectra. And what excited me so much about the Vectra solution is that, to me, it's very innovative. It's really filling a gap and a need that we've had for a long time. Because with the technologies that I just spoke about a minute ago with firewalls, IDS, IPS, they guard you. They're as good as catching a potential hack on the way into your network. But once that attack or once that attacker has been able to penetrate into your network, then traditionally we've been blind to any activities happening within. Certainly, you know, we have solutions such as packet monitoring. There's self-watch from LandCope, which allows you to, to get certain useful information on perhaps when something is very obvious, when there's malware on an endpoint. But any type of more sophisticated analysis had not been available to us. And so, to me, having a solution of this kind is really the missing link because it allows me to take what the Department of Defense has defined as the different parts of what we call the kill chain, how an attack starts, the reconnaissance action that takes place on a host is actually infected, how it can 
then participate in command and control activity and, and so on. So ultimately, exfiltration of data, which we certainly don't want. We don't want to lose any more data from, from our environment. And this solution is able to identify each of these different steps within that kill chain, not only identify them, notify us, so we can take appropriate and proactive action. The other thing that for me has long been a pain point from the organizational perspective is that these other solutions that we had would not really allow us to be efficient. And what I mean by that is that we would get a lot of noise. We would get a lot of findings. So on any given day, we would have tens or hundreds of, of machines coming up as the desktop individual needs to, needs to go out and investigate whether or not there's an issue. It wasn't concrete and concrete enough to make a determination. But new solution that we're using with the Vector product is really solid. I have the ability to, from the console, see, the, see whatever is being reported. And if I execute a work order for our desktop technician, there really isn't any investigation that they need to do. It's basically get over to the machine, take it off the network, and re-image it. That's a beautiful thing. When it comes to phishing attacks, that's been something that we've seen in some of these hacking attacks that have happened lately in the healthcare sector. Is there anything in particular that you're doing at Jackson Health to guard against your employees falling victims to these tricks? Yes, absolutely. We use a product called FishMe, and basically it's an offering that we, on a periodic basis, without anyone's knowledge, will send what's called a phishing email, obviously an email that could be malicious in nature if someone else was launching it, usually has a URL embedded within the body of the message, and the software will, will track all actions. For example, it will track if someone nearly opened the message and did nothing else with it. It will also track if someone went to the web, you know, clicked the link and went to the website, as well as if they were to put in any credentials. And so if the person were to click on the link, go to the website, input credentials, immediately it offers them any array, which would be our choosing, any array of different educational opportunities at that moment whether it be sometimes I give them an HTML page, sometimes it's an interesting video directly related to the content of that email, other times it's a short game. And the reason that I like this type of solution is because it's immediate. For a long time, perhaps, we've been running on, well, someone did something they weren't supposed to, and then security finds out about it, and then at some point you schedule a class or go visit them. You know, that's a long time after the fact. And sometimes we still need to have those conversations or those gatherings, and we certainly do that. But in particular with phishing, you know, I think any person sitting in a room listening to someone speak in front of the room would be reasonable and say, well, yeah, that does look like phishing. I would have never fall for that. But it's a different situation and it's a completely different world when they're sitting at their desk and it's only them and the keyboard and their screen and, you know, they see a message that we love our employees, we appreciate what you do for this, we're giving you free coffee, let us know what grew you like. It's a completely different world. And so, to me, combining what we're doing with the FishMe product, combining that with uh, some security awareness, formal training, 
it not only has training for the average employee, but in particular, it has training for executives that, as we all know, are so pressed for time on a day-to-day basis. And so they have these micro modules for executives that hopefully no one will refuse to take because they are so concise and short. Coupling all of that with some departmental kind of one-on-one walkthroughs and touch points are the different initiatives, email blasts, some posters in key areas. I would say, though, now when I said email blast, that it's really critical to have a strategy on your communication because while no or poor communication is definitely a detriment to the organization, if the communication is overwhelming or too much, it just becomes noise. So you really need to be very selective and careful so that any communication regarding educational opportunities and and efforts surrounding phishing or any kind of other security initiative really is very targeted and purposeful. Thanks, Connie. I've been speaking to Connie Barrera of Jackson Health System. I'm Marianne Kolpasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.